For I have not yet ascended to my Father, but go to my brethren and say unto them, I ascend unto my Father and your Father, and to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord, and that he had spoken these things unto her. Yeah. May be seated. Thank you for your patience. Of course, as we said, we're celebrating the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ today. It's an event that's recorded in all four of the Gospels, and they each tell uh, the event a little differently than the others. Matter of fact, here in the book of John, you see that he speaks of Mary Magdalene uh, coming to the tomb early. But if you look in some of the other Gospels, it talks about uh, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of Christ. It talks about several others. Uh, so you kind of have to look at all of them and put them all together to see this group of women that are coming to the tomb of Jesus Christ. And we have to understand and realize why they're coming to the tomb is to anoint the dead body. Now, as you know, in the last two weeks, if we preached two weeks ago, we preached to you how Jesus said to his disciples, let's go to Jerusalem. They were afraid and they were amazed that he wanted to go back to Jerusalem where several times they sought to kill him. But Jesus knew that this was going to be his last trip into Jerusalem and he even told them it was there that he would be mocked. It was there that he would be crucified, that he would be scourged, but he would raise again the third day. Uh, last week we preached to you about Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem, riding the, the young donkey and the people laying the palm leaves before him and crying out, Hosanna, Hosanna to the Son of David, giving Christ glory, giving him praise, and, and Hosanna simply meaning save now. A lot of different things they could have been crying to be saved from, but nobody really understanding and fully realizing exactly what Jesus was going to do. Uh, many thought that he was going to set up a, a kingdom here on earth. They sought to be a part of that kingdom. Uh, many thought that he was going to be a ruler to uh, release them from the oppression and the rule of Rome. Uh, but yet Jesus tried to tell them many times, his kingdom was not of this world, but the kingdom that he was going to establish is going to be in heaven. Uh, now you got to understand, between the day that Jesus rode into Jerusalem until the day that he rose from the dead, a lot of things transpired. And we're not going to go into all of them in detail, but we'll just hit the high spot. But we see Jesus going in and turning over the tables of the money changers in the temple. Uh, we see him teaching a lot and, and schooling his disciples on many more things that they would need to know after he was gone. Uh, we see him having them get together and, and prepare the, what we call the Last Supper or celebrate the Passover feast. And you know that the Passover was something that the Jews celebrated in remembrance of God delivering them from bondage in Egypt. Amen. But as Jesus sat with his twelve that night, he told them there was going to be a new covenant, a new testament that he was establishing. It wasn't going to be about that little Passover lamb anymore, but it was going to be about the Lamb of God, the only begotten Son of God. And as they shared the bread and they shared the cup, he said that the bread was his body and the cup was his blood and that he was shedding both for them, giving his body and shedding his blood. And we know, folks, after that, that he went into the garden of Gethsemane and there they prayed. And I know there's times that you hear and you're ever anguished about something that's really near and dear to you. Maybe something to do with your children. Maybe something to do with, with your spouse. Maybe something to do that, that has just really gripped you. And, and, and you'll pray. And you'll, man, the tears will flow. You know that Jesus, the Bible said that he was in anguish in the garden of, of Gethsemane. And it was so intense that his sweat became yes. as, as if it were great drops of blood. Amen. And you think about what Jesus was praying there. And folks, it said there very simply, Father, if this cup... 
can pass before me, please let it let it pass. Jesus was looking forward to it. When he spoke about the cup that he drank, he was using that symbolic or as a metaphor for what he was going to suffer and his crucifixion upon the cross of Calvary. Amen. If there be any other way, Father, let this cup pass from before me, but nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Yep. You know, we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. We talk about the death of Jesus Christ. Today we're celebrating the, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And do you realize without any of those things that we would have no hope? Amen. We would be helpless and we would be hopeless in this world. But we have to understand the importance of the resurrection and how it completed the way that God had laid forth for Jesus Christ. Amen. Because without the resurrection, the Apostle Paul said that our preaching would be in vain. Without the resurrection, our faith would be in vain. And if you know what vain means, it means empty and useless. There, there would be no point to it. Jesus could have went all the way to Calvary. He could have suffered the way that he did, shed his blood, been crucified, and laid in that borrowed tomb again. The sacrifice for sins were made, but we would not have that victory over death, hell, and the grave that he provided when he rose again. Amen. So we see, and kind of moving ahead pretty quickly, we, we know how that Jesus was scores. And if you don't know what that is, we, well, you can look it up, but I'll give you just a, a, a quick description. Basically, he was beaten with a whip that had strands on the end, and there were pieces of bone and pieces of, of rock or metal, whatever, that were tied into the ends that when they beat you, it would literally rip the flesh off your body. And not only was it bad enough that they would beat you, but history tells us that what they would do, they would take that individual and they would chain them to a post and have their back bent over. Now it's bad enough to get a whip across your back, but when you've got your back stretched and bent over, it's going to be that much worse. But they beat him mercilessly, folks, and in a way that no one else could have, could have stood or, or could have done. But we have to understand, what did he say just right before that? If there's any other way... Let this cup pass from before me, but nevertheless, thy will be done. This was all part of, of the way that God had laid forth for his son to be the savior of the world. Now, we know that Jesus was beaten, uh, folks, and mercilessly, as we said. He was smitten. A crown of thorns was placed upon his head. And I don't know if you've ever had the, the misfortune, or misfortune, I should say, of getting hit in the head with a rock or banging your head on something. I want to tell you something, as you get older and your hair gets thinner, it hurts a whole lot more when you bang your head on something. And you better believe this, it bleeds a whole lot more. Not a lot of, not a lot of flesh between the skull and the skin there. So you can imagine when they took that crown of thorns with them, and I'm not talking about little rosebush thorns. These are probably about a couple inches long, inch and a half, two inches, and shoved that down on the head of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. How the blood would flow. Not even to mention how that his back was ripped open and probably some of his organs and, and, and bones exposed in the back. And they, they beat him until and, and you couldn't even recognize him anymore. And if all of that wasn't bad enough, they spit on him. And folks, the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, let me tell you something, it wasn't something, the crucifixion wasn't something new. You can go back and read in your history books about 60 some years before Christ was born. When Rome actually took control of Jerusalem, they took a lot of the, 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 the Israelite people, a lot of the Jewish people out on the hills outside the city, and they crucified them there. We even read that Jesus was crucified with two thieves beside him. It was one that was considered a punishment for a crime. But Jesus did no crime. But yet his crucifixion was far worse than anybody else ever saw. The only one that we read of, it wasn't bad enough that they beat him the way that he did. 
not bad enough that they wanted him to bear the weight of his own cross to, to Calvary. Uh, and he couldn't even make it all the way. We see that they got Simon of Cyrene to finish the trip. Right. But they also, folks, they stripped him naked before the world. Yeah. It was all with an intent to humiliate uh, the Son of God. Yeah. And all with the intent to embarrass him and strip him of any dignity that he had. You may say, well, preacher, I've seen these little pictures and I've seen these little depictions and statues. He had a loincloth on. Let me tell you something. Read the Bible. Don't take man's version for it. Read what the Word of God Amen. says. Amen. That they had him hung between the heavens and the earth, naked before the world for one purpose. And that was to die for your sins and my sins. And folks, we think about this today. Well, why do I need to be saved? Because I do this, because I do that. Not because you do those things. It's because we're born into this world through the flesh and womb of, uh, of mankind and we're sinners by nature. Amen. We sin because we're sinners. We don't become sinners because we sin. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying you don't just one day start doing things wrong. Well, all of a sudden you're a sinner. You're a sinner from birth. And when you come to that point in your, your knowledge that, that you understand and, and realize about Jesus Christ, you'll be responsible for those things. But yet Jesus died and gave his life for you and I. Folks, and when he died, they took him down from the tomb or from the cross there. They, they prepared his body. We read of Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, the one that came by night, and they laid him in a new tomb, one that had never been used. And here, if you read the Gospels and look through that, these women followed all of this. They were there when he was laid in the tomb. They were there when he was taken off the cross. And they knew that there had to be a proper burial that had to be given their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So that's why they were coming unto the tomb or the sepulcher early that morning. They had to wait till the Sabbath was over. And we can read in some of the other Gospels that they were wondering things among themselves as they traveled there. If you read what happened after they laid the tomb in there, they rolled a big stone to cover it. And they sealed it. So that nobody was to break that seal. Nobody was to go inside that. So what were they thinking on their way to the tomb early that morning? Oh, who's going to roll the stone away for us? Oh, what's going to happen when the Roman guards see us? Are they going to resist us or, or what are we going to do? Once we get in there, we've got to uh, get the body prepared again and, and finish it up. And yet when they got there, what happened? The stone was rolled away. You read it. I believe it is the book of Matthew that God had caused this great earthquake. They rolled the stone away. And the keepers of the tomb, the Roman guards, were, were as dead men. They, they were passed out. Amen. So you see, when they got there, they didn't have anything to worry about. All their concerns were already taken care of before they got there. As I mentioned this morning when we were preaching in sunrise service, there's so many things that we concern ourselves with, so many things that we worry about, so many things that we don't know how we're going to do this and we're going to do that. And when we get there, God's already taken care of us. We need to put them into His hands, put them into His way, let Him deal with them, Amen. and just have faith. As Brother Anthony said, so many times, folks, and I'm just as guilty as anybody else, I let feelings get the best of me. But we don't walk by feelings. We walk by faith. Amen. That's our belief in Jesus Christ. We just need to follow Him. But you think these women, as they were coming to the, the, the sepulcher, to the tomb there, certainly thinking there's going to be all these obstacles, but there was nothing preventing them. But what happened when she saw that the stone was taken away? The Bible said that she ran and she came to Simon Peter and she came to that disciple that Jesus loved. He said, well, preacher, didn't he love all of them? Yes, he loved all of them. But you'll see this reference used in the book of John when he's speaking about himself. And talking about himself, he uses it in several places. Talks about himself as the disciple that Jesus loved. 
Jesus didn't love him anymore. Though John may have been close to him, we, we know that there were certain things during the ministry of Christ that Peter and James and John were part of. We see in the scripture, you see it often depicted in, in these paintings or pictures of the Last Supper, of one leaning upon his breast. It speaks of that in the scripture. And that was John. But nevertheless, she goes and tells them that, that they've taken away the Lord out of the sepulcher and we know not where they've laid. She was able to look in and know that the body wasn't there. But what's the first thought that she had? It wasn't, oh yeah, I remember Jesus said he's going to rise again. That wasn't the thought she had. She thought somebody had stolen his body. So what did she do? She came and she told Peter and John there what was going on. So what happens? They run down. And it said they run together. The other disciple did outrun Peter and came first to the sepulcher. And he, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen clothes, yet when he not in. Then come a Simon Peter following him and went into the sepulcher and seeth the linen clothes lie. Now you think about that. It says John came. It surprises me that John went out and run Peter. Peter was always the first one to open his mouth and do anything. <laughs> Matter of fact, Peter was one of those that when Jesus, they were having the Last Supper and, and it spoke to him. And, you know, he told Jesus all through his ministry, nobody's going to do any harm to you. Matter of fact, he told Jesus, he said, I'll defend you at all costs. I'm paraphrasing here. But Peter, or Jesus told him very simply, Peter, before the cock crows, you're going to deny me three times. He said, hey, no, I will defend you. I'll never deny you. But what did Peter do? He denied him three times, just as Jesus told him. But yet we see here John getting to the, the tomb there, and he stooped down and looked in and saw the linen clothes. And then Peter comes flying by, goes in to the tomb, and he sees the linen clothes. Well, what's the difference between saw the linen clothes and seeing the linen clothes? If you think about it, you go back to the, the origination of these words that, as they were translated. When it says that John saw, it means that he just kind of went down and peeked in. That's all that he did. But then when Peter went in, he examined everything that was there and took a good look at it. And then when he saw those, he and it said he saw the linen clothes lie, or seeing the linen clothes lie, and the napkin that was about his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but wrapped in a place by itself. Then went in also that other disciple which came first to the sepulcher and he saw and he believed. And you think about this. Jesus had told them all through the ministry what was going to happen. Had told them when they were going to Jerusalem, he said, I'm going to be betrayed. I'm going to be given into the hands of men. They're going to scourge me. They're going to uh, spit upon me. They're going to crucify me. I'm going to be killed, but I'm going to rise again. And that's what it says there. When it says they yet knew not the scripture that he must rise again from the dead, what it's saying there is this was the point that it became a reality to them. Yeah. This was a point. If you look at here, it said John saw and what? He believed. And you think about those linen clothes. It talks about they wrapped the body, they wrapped the head. Uh, the portion that wrapped the head was known as, referred to as a napkin. Matter of fact, you go over and you read in, in previous chapters of John when he went to the tomb of Lazarus. And he said, Lazarus come forth. The Bible said, Lazarus come walking out of the tomb, but still had the grave clothes around him and the napkin around his head. Yeah. But yet with Jesus there, the grave clothes were there. The napkin was there. But Jesus wasn't there. Right? Amen. See, sometimes there's a lot of things in what you see and a lot in what you don't see. And in the things that they saw, the grave clothes, the napkin, now I'm going to give you a little bit of, of custom here. This is, this is from man. This is not from the Word of God. But yet they say, they talked about this napkin being separate from the clothes, lying together, and, and, and that it was wrapped together in a place by itself. 
And then they tell us in, in old Eastern custom, far Eastern custom, back in the day that when a man sat down and, and the master of the house and, and had a meal and his, his servants were there and everybody was with him, that whenever he would stand up and take his nap, take his nap and wipe his mouth, wad it up and put it on the plate, it meant I'm finished and I'm leaving. But yet when he folded that napkin and he set it neatly beside the plate, it meant I'm going away for a minute, but I'm coming back. Yeah. And when Jesus, folks, they saw that napkin that was wrapped around the head, hey, as I said, this is custom, it's not scripture, right. but Jesus is not saying I'm going away and never coming back, but he said I'm just going for a short while, but I'll be back. Yeah. Folks, could you imagine the victory that Satan thought was won? Could you imagine the victory that, listen, the, the, the religious authorities thought they had gained by crucifying Jesus Christ? The, the victory that the Romans thought that they had, had, had been a part of because they crucified Jesus Christ and saw the dead body laying in that tomb or being laid in that tomb. Man, on that third day, listen, everything changed. And he gives us victory over death, hell, and the grave. Amen. But listen, the Bible said that John went in and he saw and he believed. They yet knew not the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away again to their own home. When he saw, he believed. You run over in this chapter and you'll read where Jesus appears to his disciples. And all of them were there but one by the name of Thomas. And when Thomas comes back and they tell him, hey, Jesus was here, we saw him, listen, we talked with him. He said, I'm not going to believe it unless I thrust my hand in his side where they put the spear. I feel the nail prints in his hand. I've got to, I, not only do I want to see it, is what Thomas is saying, but I want real proof. You know, I've always heard all my life, don't believe anything you hear and only half of what you see. But yet, Jesus appeared again and Thomas was with him. Jesus told him, Thomas, come here. Feel my side, feel my hand. Now, we don't read in the scripture per se that Thomas did that, but he failed and he worshiped him. You know what Jesus told him? He said, Thomas, you believed because you saw. But he said, blessed are they which haven't seen and yet believe. Amen. And folks, listen, I'll tell you right now. I wasn't there when Jesus was born, but I believe it beyond a shadow of a doubt. Amen. I wasn't there when he suffered and was crucified, but I believe it on the, uh, beyond a shadow of a doubt. I wasn't there the day that he rose from the dead and came out of that tomb, but I believe it beyond a shadow of a doubt. Because God is, and the faith that we need to believe that he has given us that. And folks, understand what the, what the word of God says is true. So they go again to their house and Mary stood without the sepulcher weeping. Stood there crying. Now this was a woman that was very near and very dear to Jesus Christ. Since she was forgiven, she began to follow Jesus and she followed Him faithfully. She even helped with, with some of those that had needs that came around Jesus there. But her and some of the other ladies, as we said, all through the scriptures, all through the ministry, they were faithful followers of Jesus Christ, even to the point that He was laid in the tomb. She was already sad enough and heartbroken enough because he'd been crucified. And now she thinks somebody stole the body. What am I going to do? It says as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulcher and seeing two angels in white sitting, the one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. Folks, there's some significance there. If you look back when God gave the design for the Ark of the Covenant, and God told them how to make the mercy seat. And this would have been the place that, that the blood would be applied every year on the Day of Atonement. 
Then on each side of that mercy seat, there was an angel that would look down upon that mercy seat. And when she looks down into the tomb of Jesus Christ, what does she see? An angel that was at the head and an angel at the foot of where Jesus would have been. It's no more going to be about that blood that's put on the mercy seat, but it's going to be about that blood that was shed by Jesus Christ. Amen. So she was weeping there, and they, they said to her, Woman, why weepest thou? She said, They've taken away my Lord. We don't know where they laid him. And when she had said thus, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing and knew not that it was Jesus. Now think about this for a minute. Preacher, if she was one that was faithful to his ministry, if she was one that followed him just about everywhere that he went, even how would she not know that was Jesus? I'll tell you why, because he didn't look like the same man that was taken off that cross and laid in that tomb. Isaiah said that his visage or his appearance was marred more than any man. He was beaten beyond recognition. And of course, nobody would have known that he was the same man that came riding into town on that donkey a week before. Nobody would have known he was the same man that talked and walked among them that he was beaten so badly. That was the last idea that she had of what Jesus looked like. So when she turns and sees him now, he's in that new body. Most the only thing that he learned was scars in his hand. And as she looked at him, she didn't know who he was. And, and, and he said unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? And it said, She supposing him to be the gardener. No more face destroyed. No more scars from the thorns. No more blood all over this body. She supposed him to be the gardener, said unto him, Sir, if thou hast borne him thence, tell him where you tell me where you've laid him, and I'll take him. See, the purpose they were coming to is finish the burial that he wasn't properly given or had time to be given before the Sabbath started. And now the Sabbath was over. So she said, you just tell me where you put it and, and I'll take it. She turned herself and, and Jesus said unto her, Mary. When he said Mary, she knew exactly who it was. She knew that it was the Lord calling her name. And I'm here to tell you today, when the Lord speaks to you, you'll have no doubt who it is. Amen. You'll know that beyond a shadow of a doubt. Matter of fact, there's a song that says, He knows my name. And He knows each and every one of us. Knows where we are, knows who we are, knows what we need. He knows today, if you're here, you're lost and undone without Christ, that you need salvation. He knows if you're here today and you're sick that you need healing. He knows if you're here today you're down and discouraged that you need strength and encouragement. That's right. He knows here today, listen, if you fail, that you need forgiveness. Yep. Amen. Amen. He knows what we need. And folks, he'll call you by name, I'm telling you. Amen. And there'll be no mistaking when he calls. Right. Matter of fact, Jesus said unto her, Mary, so she turned herself and said unto him, Rabboni, which is to say, Master. She knew who it was, realized who it was. And at this moment, everything that he had said became a reality to her. Mm -hmm. You wonder, if we look back and we say, well, preacher, Jesus told him several times that he was going to be crucified. Jesus told him several times that he was going to die. But he also told him that he was going to rise again. Yeah. Folks, you know, you don't read anybody in history, you got to listen closely to what I'm saying, who died and rose again. Yeah. Wait a minute, preacher. I can take you to the Bible and show you people died. No matter of fact, you just talked about Lazarus. He died and he rose again. We talk about those that are alive that Elisha brought back life. They died and they rose again. But none of them did it under their own power. 
Right. You might Amen. Amen. So that's what Paul was talking about. He said, I want to know the power of his resurrection. Yeah. Paul wanted to know that power that brought Jesus back up from the grave. Matter of fact, as he stood before Pilate, he said, hey, I've got the power to release you or condemn you. Jesus said, you have no more power than my Father's given. Yeah. Right. He said, no man takes my life from me. Right. I lay it down. Amen. I lay it down, I'll take it up again. Right. That was the power that Jesus had. And do you realize today is the same power that raises that one that's dead and trespassing and sinned yeah. into a new life. It's that same power that one day, folks, one of these days, when, when, when the sky splits, listen, those that, that, that are in the grave are going to rise. That same power of God that raised Jesus that day from the sepulcher is the same power that works in us when we're saved and the same power that will take us to glory. She turned unto him and said, Rabboni, which is to say, Master. Jesus said, Touch me not. I'm not yet ascended to my Father, but go to my brethren and say to them, I ascend to my Father, your Father, and my God and your God. We read that Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things to them. Go on and read beyond this. You'll see when Jesus appeared at different times to different people. And then we see where one day he's walking down the Emmaus Road and talking to two. And there comes a point that what happens, Jesus ascends out of their sight. They didn't even realize who they were speaking to. Matter of fact, they were trying to tell Jesus everything that had happened. Haven't you heard? Didn't you know what all took place in this, this town about that man called Jesus? And he ascended right in their midst. And, you know, they looked at one another and said, didn't our hearts burn within us? And they were told this same Jesus that you see is going to return again in like man. Book of 1 Corinthians we studied this morning in Sunday school class. And it talked about Jesus dying. And it says, according to the scriptures. According to the scriptures. There's not one thing you can find in the word of God that did not come to pass that was prophesied. Right. There's not one thing in the word of God according to the scriptures that God says is going to happen that has not happened. There's not one thing, one word that Jesus spoke and said that did not come to pass. So you better believe just as all these things, according to the scriptures, just as he said, yeah, he died, but he rose again. He ascended to the Father. And he also said, I'm coming back. Right, yeah. In my hand. Amen. The Bible says, in such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man comes. Therefore, be you ready. Be you ready. Be you ready. See, we need to understand that sometimes this, this, this kind of escapes us. That we're all born into this world as sinners, as we see it. Amen. We've all sinned. We've all come short of the glory of God. The wages of that sin is death. But you know what the Bible tells me? You go over to the book of Hebrews, and it talks about, as a matter of fact, the Bible says Jesus defeated the last enemy, which was death. But he also destroyed him that had the power of death, that is the devil. And not only did he destroy the one that had the power of death, but he says he delivered them that their whole life were subject to bondage because of that fear of death. Jesus Christ's victory and resurrecting from the grave affords us eternal life. Amen. His sacrifice on the cross of Calvary, his precious blood that was shed there, is the covering we need for our sin, but his resurrection affords us eternal life. Yep. We all sin. We've all come short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. He's delivered us, folks. Yep. You're here today and you're lost. He's provided deliverance for you. But it's up to you to come to Him yep. and accept what He has in mind. As we stand. Amen.
Heads bowed, eyes closed. You go through the Gospels, you read about the resurrection of Christ. You see several times when they're seeking Jesus that they hear the words, He's not here, but He is risen. As I said, He ascended back to the Father. The Scripture tells us He's at the right hand of the Father today, ever to make intercession for you and I. Folks, we need an advocate with God. We need one to intercede for us. We can't do it on our own. There's nothing that we can do in this life that would earn us salvation. <clears throat> nothing we can do in this life that we would deserve salvation. Not enough money to buy our way into the good grace of God. But Jesus willingly came and gave his life. Suffered for you. Was buried in an old tomb and rose again. intercession you need is for salvation. Here today and say the intercession you need may be for strength, encouragement, guidance, direction, may be forgiveness, grace that you need. But he's there waiting for you.
I've said this before. I've seen people get saved on this parking lot after church is over. Yeah. I went home after service and somebody called and told me about somebody got saved after they got home. You don't have to come to this altar to get saved. Don't, right. don't misunderstand that. Yeah. But you have to come. Yeah. You have to come to Jesus. What in your life is worth rejecting Christ for an eternity and damnation? What in your life is more important than accepting Him as your Lord and Savior? Preacher, I'm going to. I got a lot of things I got to figure out. Let me tell you something. Get saved. He'll help you figure those things out. Come to Him. He'll help you through the rest of your life. I'm not saying you never have problems, never have troubles, storms, and trials. But you won't go through them alone. Still with heads bowed, eyes closed very quickly this morning. For those who are here this morning that are not Christians, and that simply by slipping your hand up and saying, I'm not a Christian, pray for what the Word of God said is true, and what it says about eternity, and what it says when I leave this world is true. Pray for it. Grace and mercy, Lord, that you give to us so, so freely, Lord. Yeah, we thank you for each and every home, Lord, represented here today. Lord, we ask for your blessing upon them and their families, Lord. We ask that you just watch over us and lead and guide us, Lord, in all that we do. Lord, that we bring glory to you, Lord, in some way in our lives. Yeah. Lord, that we glorify you and lift up the name of Jesus to a dark and dying world. Lord, just go with us. Yes, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Am